Welcome to the Project DIY Hunter Podcast. If you're thinking about hunting DIY or if you've been hunting DIY for a long time, this podcast is for you. We invite you to join us as we seek to gain knowledge to continue to be successful DIY hunters. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Project DIY Hunter Podcast. I'm joining my boy Charles and a couple of our friends from Arkansas. Well, we'll say our friends, but it's really Charles's good friends from Arkansas. But uh, how you doing today, Charles? Good, man. Good. We got through some more tornadoes. I know the last time we talked, um, we were there were tornadoes going on, so there were some more today. So we made it through those, and uh, everything's good. So yeah, I want to introduce um, my buddies from Arkansas. Uh, we got Pete and then um, Josh. So I, I first started going out there with a mutual friend. His name is Lee. And I kind of met Pete through Lee. And then I met Josh through Pete. Um, so Pete's been hunting out in Arkansas for a long time. And then and then Josh has too. And, and Josh has started making duck calls. Him and his brother started making some duck calls. And then Josh just kind of went out on his own. Um, so how, how are y'all doing today? How are you doing today, Pete? No, doing good. Good. Josh, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, guys. Doing pretty good. Awesome. So I think we're just kind of going to get into um, some general questions and just talk about some some cool stories that's happened a um, long time ago here recently, um, the, or I guess this past year, and and how how we hunt or how they hunt Arkansas. I mean, they've they've been doing it a while. So um, if if y'all could say anything about hunting public land in Arkansas, what would uh, what would you have to say about it? Well, I'll start off with you before, Josh. So, I mean, public land, um, you couldn't ask for any better spot, to be honest with you. We live in the uh, northeast corner of Arkansas, which is the big flyway, everything else, and literally within 30-minute drive. And I, and Charles, you know, me and you joke about this. He's like, how far are we going? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. That's how far we're going. 30 minutes. And we live within 30 minutes of a decent size uh game and fish land i'm talking thousands of acres i mean you have fifty thousand acres here you have forty thousand acres here you have 120 acres here and they're all public land i mean you can't ask for a better flooded timber uh, we don't have a lot of public rice fields but they're starting to do that now like a, it's called a rice program like wric i think uh, where they're doing uh, public land on that sense where you draw a permit and you can go hunt these fields for the weekend. But flooded timber, man, you can't ask for anything better. Uh, I mean, recent years, we've seen better numbers, but, you know, that's that's hunting. Uh, well, you know, we've all seen it in Arkansas. We don't know what's going on. or I don't know what's going on. But just the land in general, man, you can't ask for better public land around our area than anywhere right yeah and then one thing i've kind of noticed um with the ducks i mean it's crazy because like one day you can you cannot see many then the next day i mean you can just slaughter them but then you know it, it's kind of it's weird because so i used to go out there a good bit well i still do go out there opening day you know and, and we usually do good opening day and then someday sometimes you won't but you just never know um it's not like super consistent i think like it used to be 20 years ago or whatever because i remember pete you were talking about opening day i mean y'all slaughtered them pretty much every opening day and then since i've been going out there there's been good day good opening days and they've been some bad opening days 
Yeah, and it just depends on water because um, they're not flooding, flooding in a lot of areas as much as they do um, as early as they usually do because they're trying to do this green tree reservoir project and saying that we're killing the trees if we start flooding the air before they start going dormant. Well, I mean, if, if that's the case, that's the case. Because um, mostly what Arkansas is known for is flooded timber. I mean, it's straight up right. flooded timber. Um and a lot of our public land is actually flooded by game and fish. Um, so if, you know, if it's not flooded naturally, it's not going to be flooded until they decide it gets flooded. So what we've noticed and Josh, you might relay in this is, is I've noticed a lot of flooding is happening after duck season and it, you know, with our rains and different stuff like that, just natural flooding. Cause like right now, if duck season was going on right now, we would have as much water as we ever needed. Um, so, you know, in past relate, you know, I remember opening day, you know, it would, it would be pretty bad if we didn't kill over a hundred birds. That was a bad opening day. I mean, literally a bad opening day and we would have groups all over. So it's not like we were competing, you know, for a spot or anything else. No, that was everywhere. Yeah. So I think Josh was saying a little bit before this, um, before we started, or before we pressed the record button, um, that he's seen a lot of ducks kind of before the season started this year. Yeah, so um, this year and last year, um, the one great thing that I love about my job being a trucker is I get to go around and I get to see where ducks are at and where they're going. And uh, and I travel, I mean, I travel the area pretty good so this year we had ducks here september 26 and we had them thick last year we had them about the first week of october so uh they're here for about a month and a half before season gets in and they're already uh you know they're eating this build up or they're eating this timber up and they're just bouncing around before it's even time to get here and i don't think that hurt us this year because i mean they were here a little bit earlier than last year, but I mean, I don't know what what happened this year, but uh, it's definitely night and day from this season from the past. Right. So if if they're getting there kind of early, I mean, they're eating up a lot of that that food there before the season even starts. So you know that might you know just it makes it where not as many birds stop just because there's not as much food because they ate them before the season. I mean, I don't, I don't know if, uh, I honestly think we're not seeing half of the birds that we used to because they're not making them down to us because it's not getting cold. They're not getting pushed down by weather, everything getting locked up and, and their food abundance. I mean, they can, they'll land on a dry field all day long, Right. but you know, it's, they're just not having to be pushed down. I mean, this year, especially, I don't know how many times when we had that big cold front that came down that you know, that infected us, infected Texas and everything else. I mean, I was sitting there watching pictures of millions of freaking ducks being on a little puddle of water. And, you know, because yeah. that they left it open. And I just don't think, you know, there's climate change. I don't know. You know, there's so many different things, but it's just not getting cold up north to push them down to make them want to come down. So we're just seeing those ducks that are just programmed to come down. And that's it. Yeah, and that's one thing. This year, I mean, it never really got that cold. I remember a couple of years ago, we were hunting out there, and it was like nine degrees. My dad come out there with us when we were hunting. Oh yeah, hunting a little flooded timber. I mean, it was nine degrees that morning. It was cold. I don't remember that in the past couple of years. 
the season before last, we was hunting out there in nine degree weather, and you know we walk out of the water and come come up out, and our waders would just be frozen. This year, we got a little bit of cold weather, and like Pete said, you know we would watch on the map where the upper Midwest would be just like snow and ice going across, but the ducks never. We never got that second wave of migration. We might have a little bit in places, but not in northeast Arkansas. Yeah, man, and. Honestly, I think this year I spent more money and more time scouting than I ever have before, and I hate to say that it it, it we came up short this year. Yeah. I think we killed uh, 53, 54 birds this year total. It's it's been a bummer for sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully that'll change this year, and um, I know that's that's a lot better than we did in South Carolina this year. I mean, South Carolina was tough also. You know, it was like that all the way across the map, it seems like. I got some buddies that killed some ducks in, in Nebraska and South Dakota this year, and, and I got a, a buddy that went out there right after them and, and didn't do well at all. And, you know, it's just a, it's crazy. It was just really hit or miss this year. No, that's definitely for sure. I mean, I have friends that uh... – you know that I follow on Facebook, and and they're like, you know, we waxed them this day, this this couple of days over in Nebraska and Oklahoma, and then they're like, they went back out the next day and didn't see even a duck, goose, or anything. So I mean, you know, that's why they call it hunting. You know, we're just not used to seeing the numbers that we are seeing now. So it's it's pretty, I mean, disheartening because I mean, you you enjoy the sport. I mean, that's that's what it is. Is, is it? it's a, it's a hunting sport. You enjoy the camaraderie with your friends, uh, you know, being around everybody and, you know, I enjoy y'all coming out. I enjoy showing y'all places that y'all have never hunted before, you know, and, and when y'all bring new people down, <laughs> uh, I enjoy showing them too. You know, you know me, I mean, I'm always the type and, and, and Arkansas hunters get the bad rap, especially, you know, if you look at the, pages and stuff like that they're always dishing out-of-state hunters man i love y'all coming down i mean i really do um it, it you're hunting for a spot regardless wherever you go i mean right. first one there first one there big deal on if it's game and fish land or whatever first one there first one there um right. but i enjoy y'all coming down because y'all get to see something different and it's the same thing as you know me going over there uh but it's public yeah. land we all freaking own this land everybody yeah. y'all own the land just as much as we do it's 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 tax dollar money yeah and that's one of the big things we talk about on these podcasts and or these episodes um is that you know it's everybody's land and everybody needs to use it because it's there um that's one of the things we talk about going out west i mean it's just again i think it's like the further you get out west the more public land there is um, oh yeah because i mean it's, it's more vast i mean not yeah. not a lot of people it's just like like literally, um, I, I'm not going to name him, but you know, years ago when I used to be a bartender at a country club, I had a guy that said, you know, I'll go up to South Dakota, North Dakota every year. And all we got to do is just find out where the ducks are at and find the person that owns the fields or wherever the sloughs or whatever they're in and ask them, Hey, can we hunt your land? He's like, yeah, go at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's a money sport. And, and I know. Yeah. I mean, we can't change that, of course, but, right. but you know, that's, I mean, that's the big difference is everybody between me, Josh, you, and Tyler, and everybody, and Joe, 
dirt and <laughs> you know every everybody who pays taxes owns this land this is y'all's right. land it's not arkansas land it's everybody's land right and it's, and it's nice we got ducks unlimited and and um, the delta waterfowl and, and those kind of people you know buying that land and and holding it for us to go hunt too you know so definitely a plus for us waterfowlers um, I, I know they for big game they have uh, the rocky mountain elk foundation and and um, stuff like that, but um, it's nice to have somebody in the duck hunters court too. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and change up the topics um, and start talking about kind of like what your opening week is like. Cause I know everybody, I, I know y'all just like me, you get pumped opening week before, after opening day. I mean, that's like Christmas, you know, for, for me, I know. Um, so Christmas. I guess we talk about, Starting Christmas. with that ain't uh, Christmas. That's like your child giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, you're like your, I mean, you, your wife is giving birth to a child. I mean, that's the day you're not gonna miss. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll start with you, Pete. So what does your week before opening day look like? Opening day and then after. What What is that? Oh no 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 no. Let's let's start with Kenny. You don't want to start with me because I just work all the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kenny, literally, let's start off with you. We'll go around the corner. Uh, my opening week is me on the phone with Charles the whole time trying to figure out where the heck the ducks are. I mean, to be honest, and uh, we don't find them. And then I get hit with the, I'm going to Ohio for opening week because I'm going deer hunting. And uh, Charles is going to Arkansas. So uh, my opening week's kind of skewed when it comes to comes to ducks. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I usually, uh, I'm usually in Ohio chasing whitetail for opening opening week well honestly lately you've probably been uh, a little bit better than we have <laughs> definitely last year <laughs> I, had a pretty, I had a pretty good time last year yeah you killed a monster last year go ahead pete i about to say uh I'll, I'll chime in right now and usually the, the the week before it ain't the week before it's the months before <laughs> you're right <laughs> i mean uh I, josh started you know I, I talked to Josh a lot throughout the summer. We go boating and everything else. But, I mean, my my phone bill goes up a little bit when I talk to Josh throughout the duck season. <laughs> um, usually about the couple weeks before, I start calling Josh. And like he said, he drives a truck, so he's around the areas and, you know, see if he's seeing anything, you know, what he's seeing, general area, uh, concentrations, what he's seeing, like what kind of, you know, is it mallards or spoonies or like, you know, what is, whatever migration he's seeing. And uh, biggest thing is just most of my stuff is already done every year. Uh, decoys strong constantly. Um, cleaning gun, just getting ready. Just hopefully we just, you know, mass shoot them and everything else. So I'm getting everything ready for that. But uh, the yeah. biggest thing is just getting everything ready. And uh, a couple days before, just start losing sleep and, you know, start having to take some sleeping pills so I can go to bed. Yeah, where are you we know? going? Where are we going? Opening day, where <laughs> exactly. Going? Like, like, but the sad thing is, like, I've always I've always told Josh, and Josh will claim to this, is I've always had that one spot where I like to start out. I've always liked to start out this yeah, spot. exactly where that's Regardless at. if we see ducks or not, I've always liked to start there. And this year was yeah, – Don't be telling our spot online. <laughs> But this year was very disheartening because, I mean, we scout this spot like weeks in advance. We would go out there and just sit, sit on a levee, and it, it's flooded. It's semi-flooded timber slash flooded other areas. 
but we'll go and, and sit in some cover and just watch for hours. And this year, uh, it was very disheartening because we didn't see any like ducks that we usually see, if any. Um, yeah. Usually, we'll sit in there, we'll see a couple, you know, a couple hundred ducks here and there, and coming in the land and different stuff like that. But it, I mean, just the general getting together uh, on the few opening days before duck season. I mean, hell, it's just it's mainly just nail biters and just making sure you got all your equipment ready. That's all. What what time do you get there um, the day before? (laughs) Well, it varies. (laughs) You start looking at social media and they start getting there at seven o'clock. You uh, get off work and you go there the day before. It's, it's steadily gotten like you, we got to remember this is public land. So I'm not the type that is uh, going to wake up late and, push my way into a spot or encroach on somebody. Because uh, if they get the spot, they get the spot. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just ethical. Right. Um, and you have a lot of people that don't do that. Um, but, you know, opening day is, like I said, it's like the birth of your child. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a very special moment. And people that have really duck hunting, uh, deer hunting, especially, you know, anybody that has any kind of season, uh, embedded into their soul. That's a special day. So, I mean, with my friends, we've all, you know, I've done it. I'm almost 40 years old. I turned 40 this year and I started duck hunting when I was 15. And from the day that I started hunting was opening day. My brother took me out to the spot that I always go to and we camped out the night before. It was always just a camp out. And usually boats didn't show up till about three, four o'clock in the morning, but it shortly years over years and years uh, became worse and worse where you might have to get out there at seven o'clock at night to even get a spot in the ramp or get anything. Yeah. So it, it's gotten more packed. It's, it definitely has. But we've kind of turned that into um, going out early and hanging out and having a good time, taking a grill, you know, and just, yeah. yeah. Just having a good time with friends. I mean, yeah. hell I, I don't know how many times I invited uh, other groups to come join us. Right. You know, just, just for the night cookout and everything else. Yeah. So I guess moving down to Josh, um, what is your opening week and opening day? I mean, obviously we hunt together, so it's going to obviously be pretty similar, but uh, what's your takeaway for, for opening day? Well, so for me, mine's, mine starts way before opening week. Um, Pete's actually went out with me a few times and he's been out, you know, maybe a time or two by himself. But mine starts literally November 1st. I start going around. Even after I get off work, I go driving around, looking where they're at. Of course, before even season gets here, I've already got my boat ready, decoys ready. I've got that done way in October already. But, like, building up to opening week, I'm literally taking off not every night, but I'm taking, you know, two or three times a week, going to look and seeing where they're at. And sometimes we end up together and sometimes we end up alone. And, uh, and as, of course, this year, uh, on a certain WMAs, not all of them, you could not be on uh, WMA a week before season. Like David Donaldson, uh, Big Lake, Bimeda. You couldn't be in there a week before season. They didn't want you disturbing the wildlife. 
so you had to really get all your scouting in. If you wanted to hunt those WMAs, you had to get your scouting in before beforehand. Um, and then, of course, uh, the night before opening day, uh, well, the, that Friday, you we I got off at 5, and like you got off at 7, and I think we ended up out there at, a, what, probably about 8 o'clock, and then uh, we had a few of our friend, uh, friends, and then to think, Charles, did you join us on opening day? I can't remember. I did. I, I drove through the night and got there about 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's the bad part. You, you don't leave enough of an impression yeah. for him to even realize that you came. So you need to step your game up. Well, I did get there late. No, because sure. we, we were over there in uh, south of the wide water, and uh, I had to go pick them up. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And a crew of about three with me. But, yeah, I guess for, you know, my opening week, you know, I'm – rigging stuff that don't need to be rigged and rigging decoys that I ain't used in the past five years just to just to rig up something and I'm just kind of scouting in the mornings and stuff before work and and after work and stuff around here which it don't really matter because I don't never hardly hunt here over the day anyway but um at least I got something to tell my buddies and I just enjoy doing it and then you know opening day which out there I mean out there is totally different well I mean I know how I don't get excited about opening day anymore. And I think it's from the years of being unsuccessful on opening day here. You know, once you do something so long and it's it kind of takes the wind out of your sails, it's not something you really want to, you know, look forward to. Yeah. Well, luckily I've been pretty successful on, you know, the second opening days or the opening days that I've been here, which is not many, you know, I've, I've done pretty well, um, is to say, but, but usually I'm, leave we leave i think greenville around uh, six o'clock and then we'll get to arkansas about four you know and that's been my you know opening day you know staying up i think this last year i stayed up 40 hours straight um just to see if i could still do it no you slept you just didn't know it yeah just to see if i could still do it like <laughs> i did 10 years ago when i first come out there um, i feel like you can't yeah oh i could i, I proved it i took me a while to recover <laughs> but um we was in Edisto this year. You didn't make it past 10 o'clock, not one night. Yeah, that's Edisto. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so let's move into calling ducks. I know y'all, y'all two are definitely by far the best duck callers, you know, I've ever been around. And so um, I just kind of give us a little insight on how you learned to call ducks. And Well, I appreciate you saying I'm one of the best duck callers you've ever met. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think uh, I was. Um, oh, you weren't talking to me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Josh, I'll let you lead on this one. Um, well, I learned. Well, sad enough, I've got a brother that you know made duck calls way back in the day, and my first duck call ever was one he made me. Um, but I did, He taught me a few things, but I learned how to call ducks on my own. And it wasn't a, it wasn't going out listening to ducks. It was uh, finally finding a call that fit me, and that I started to sound good. And um, I did actually have a little help from a buddy of mine that I was hunting at the time that gave me some tips. And then uh, and uh, other than that, it was really learning. And uh, I, re- I can remember several times being out on the river. And this was before I met Pete. I had another friend that we just like hunted together constantly. And he would call at every duck he ever seen. It could be sky high and he's calling at them. I'd like, what are you doing that for? They can't hear you. 
I said, you think they can, but you they can't. And then yeah. just kind of being with him, just watching ducks and yeah. whacking at them and, you know, seeing how they respond. Because that's the biggest thing is, and a lot of people don't get, and I I know you, y'all have probably been around people that don't get that sense of, hey, if you're quacking at a duck and it still keeps moving or you flare it, stop. Stop calling that duck. Because if you keep on calling, you, you Right. There might be some swinging around the corner, and if they flared, guess what? If they come around seeing them birds moving, they're going to follow them. So the best thing, you got to call while, while you're watching them. That's how I would tell people. Um, if they're responding, just keep doing it. Just The biggest thing is watching them. If they're responding, keep doing it. But don't be that one out. Don't be that guy that's out there trying to call like it's Stuttgart Main Street Contest. Uh, I have never seen anybody call a duck in like that. It's always, I mean, yeah, you need about medium volume, but if you'll watch and they're responding, then they'll do what you want. But uh, when when they're flaring away, stop right. that duck call. And that, a lot of people don't get that. They either call louder, more aggressive, and sometimes you sometimes you got to do that because we've all been out there in the mornings and you're calling ducks and it's nothing happening. You know, they're really not responding, and you just get to a certain point. I know I have this year to where I just couldn't take it, and I'm just a call aggressive. Sometimes it works, but most of the time it don't. So that's to learn the calling on the corners and when to call them back and, you know, do, doing a feed call too. And it took me, I would say, five years before I would ever call myself good. Pete, since you're back, we'll let you uh, go ahead. I mean, I agree uh, 100%. I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, I have my first degree uh, in college was music education. So, you know, I I have a different perspective on, you know, how things are played and stuff like that. But how how I learned how to freaking blow a duck call is, you know, 15, 16 years old. And I boated down a little river found a ton of ducks and I just sat there and they couldn't see me because, you know, trees were in front of them. This is all flooded timber. So I just sat and just listened to them and just listened. And I just sit there and quacked and, and try to mimic on what they were doing. And I mean, just you doing that sense is not learning how to call a duck, but how to sound like a duck. So I learned how to sound like a duck there. Um, how you learn how right. to actually call a duck is years of experience. You got to know when the ducks are going this way, going that way. If they're turning a certain way, if you can see a certain thing, you call a certain way. Um, you know, is, and it also brings back an old story is I think I, it was a Buck Gardner CD a long time ago. It was a Buck Gardner CD. That he, that he said, if you can see a tail and a head, you sit there and call, you hell call, but if you don't see that, you chatter, you, you know, you soft call, everything. You don't hell call, you don't do a comeback call. And it, it's a, it's a hard subject because you have, like Josh said, you have people that overcall. You have people that, hey, if I see a duck, you know, I'm going to call it. It's going to come to me. No, it's not. You got to get that right call the right sound to make them feel like they need to come in. And, um, 
that comes with experience. That comes with you getting the right call for you. Um, I mean, Josh makes really good duck calls, everything else. The best duck call I've ever had, and I'm sorry to say it, is a double raid night in hell. <laughs> I wish I still had that call. <laughs> I wish I still had that call. Because I could get that thing as raspy <laughs> as all could be. I mean, soft, hard. It was raspy. It was and like I just it was the tone I wanted. And Josh's calls, I mean, they they definitely uh, do it for me and everything else, and and I can get that raspiness and but it's just it's just no it's that's years of experience is you know ducks flying over you call a certain way they're gonna come back yeah you call it you know you just gotta pay attention to the situation yeah and and obviously i learned from you and and everybody else that i hunt with out there but i think what helped me a lot was um hunting or we were we were hunting that morning and then there was like a rest area and just going and sitting and watching the birds um and how they and what noises they made while they were, you know, cutting back around or while they were about to land or where the ducks are sitting on the water while my ducks are circling them and, and just kind of see how they react and, and call to each other. Um, and then just kind of putting that together with with what y'all um, kind of showed me. I mean, because in the end, that's all that's all you're mimicking I mean, is a safe area. Yeah. So let's move to decoys. Um, so how do you set your decoys up? You know, if the, if the wind's blowing a certain way, how, how do you set them up? I mean, I know how we do in South Carolina is a lot different than you do in Arkansas by about, I don't know, seven dozen differences, <laughs> you know, but um, 10 dozen different. <laughs> so how do you set them up out there? Go ahead, Josh. Uh, well, uh, the way we normally do it is, uh, he brings his three dozen, I bring my three dozen, and then we have actually have another guy that hunted with us a bunch this year. He brings his six dozen. Um, and we'll fill up we'll fill a hole and uh put a couple jerk strings out. Um the biggest thing and it's been the past uh, man, I don't know how many years we're in this now to where you can't use a spinning wing on public land or anything that has motion, but uh, except for a jerk string, if you don't put a big majority out there and have that motion, uh, I guarantee you there's guys that's either in this other timber hole or even out there on the lake when we're hunting on the lake part, there's guys out there putting 20 to 30 dozen around their pontoon. So if you only put a couple dozen out, uh, you're not going to get noticed as well because they're going to see that big spread. And I guarantee you, we've I've watched them several mornings this past season Falling to the biggest spread. Uh, but sometimes, you know, the biggest spread ain't the best thing, but uh, we definitely did it quite a few times. And even though the, we didn't have the ducks this year, last year I think uh, I think we did our best with probably about six or seven dozen out. Um, yeah. I think, I you know, or anywhere between uh, three to six dozen, what we did our best on. Uh, and then also, too, the – no matter where you're at or where you're hunting, whether it's Arkansas, New Mexico, or wherever you like to hunt, setting up for the wind. Um, I think Rick Dunn from Echo Call said it the best. You got to try to set up with the wind to your back. 
if you have a win. There's actually been, you know, several mornings where there's no win, but if there's a win, put that win to your back because them ducks like to land into the wind. And yes, sometimes you'll get like teal, especially. They don't care what the way the wind's coming. They're going to land in any way they want. But if you got the wind at your back, you got the best chance. And I like to put, if I'm going to sit with the wind in my back, I'm actually going to, I want them decoys closer to me so that I can bring them in as close as I can. That's how I like to set them up. And we've did that quite a bit. Um, so, Pete, you want to do your two cents on that one? No, I don't want to hear about the South Carolina boys, Kenny. You just throw about one or two mallards in a wood duck hole and that'd be about all you need to do. <laughs> nah, man, we honestly don't put out that many decoys. Even when we hunt big water, like when I hunt swamps and stuff around my house, I'm half dozen to a dozen mallards, half dozen wood ducks. You know, it's just a little morning shoot. When we go to the lake, it's probably, what, two dozen Charles and put them more of like a J-hook or, you know, two pods or a V and – it's pretty much how you run it around here. Yeah. So and 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 that's how I mean we kind of we run a little bit more when we went to Gunnersville. Um, we didn't run many when we were in Maine. There was it was probably a dozen and a half um, when we was up there. Um, Arkansas is definitely the place that I see the most decoys ran. Like when we go to Kansas, we limited out twice on a couple decoys. But uh, definitely Arkansas is one of the ones where you see those big spreads. And, and I guess it's got a lot to do with the rice fields and stuff, too. And um, just to open holes, you know, you kind of want to fill them up to direct the, direct the birds where you want them to go. Um, don't do no good for the bird to land 125 yards out, you know. Um, well, one thing from around here that uh, you want to make it look realistic. And down there, seven dozen ducks in one spot's not unnatural you get right. more than like 10 mallards around here something's not right yeah. you know what i mean like yeah, especially in one WMA group. Hunt for sure yeah so uh you know we try to mimic what you see and usually what we see is just you know groups here and there and, and the best spread that i can think of is just a j-hook like y'all said just literally on if the wind's coming let's just say to your right the wind's blowing out of the right, so it's blowing out of the right to the left. You're going to focus most of your decoys to the left in a big group and then sit there and trail it like a J-hook, like 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 a Nike sign. Uh, you know, just to funnel them in, just say, hey, we're going to land in this little pocket. Um, but in a lot of senses, when I deal with flooded timber, um, I've noticed a lot of times I do a T hook where I'll throw, you know, about a dozen or two decoys out straight out and keep them pretty tight and then bring it into you and then along the tree line, both sides to you. So that way you have the ducks that are sitting here like trying to figure it out, you know, coming in one way and then they're going to start trying to land, but they pick up because they see the decoys or they don't feel comfortable but they'll land close to the, to the left side. So it's a, it's like a T hook. And, you know, I've seen that happen a lot of times, especially on, uh, where me and Josh hunt. Uh, but I mean, it's just, it's just dependent. You have the right spread, it's spread right. And if it's not, then it's not. Yeah. Um, so I think I want to move into, let's tell some stories and, um, kind of experiences i know 
we definitely got some some good stories. Uh, we were, I know, me and Pete were in that boat race back in what was that, 2016? That was pretty interesting. Nah, um, that, I can't that remember that year. Famous <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> got pretty famous on YouTube, Facebook, and all that. Um, is there any cool stories um, that y'all want to talk about that's happened a long time ago, recently? Well, and there's there's tons of stories. Um, uh, we'll go back to, we'll start with uh, last season when uh, when you came down opening uh, week the, for opening weekend i wasn't with y'all the first day but you know i was with y'all for the rest of the week and we just had some killer hunts i mean it i mean what we had yeah most of our ducks by you know 7 7 30 and we were you know we'd stay a little bit later and scrap out some ducks that was a we stayed on the ducks till that sunday which i can't remember if you stayed all week or not but that sunday was the first day we got skunked last year then uh Another story this year, with this year and last year, I got to knock two birds off the bucket list. Last year was with the help of one of Pete's friends, but I, I'll still claim it. <laughs> uh, this year, I got to knock out a redhead, and last year, I got to knock out a black duck, so there's two ducks off the bucket list. Those yeah. are pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that hunt you were talking about that we did so well, um, that was actually my buddy Charlie's first time to Arkansas. I believe, and we smacked them both days, and then went back to the house. He's like, "Man, I love Arkansas." I'm like, yeah, I bet you do. You know, we we smacked them both days, and you know, seen thousands of birds. Um, Pete, you got any cool stories from when you started hunting, maybe? And and how what what kind of boat? How did you hunt when you first started? All right. So again, I'm you know 39 years old, about turned 40, and <clears throat> I mean, my brother duck hunted i was never into it or anything else but he took me in and he's like let's go duck hunting so my mom finally said okay you can take him and uh it was at a uh it was nothing but floated timber um i was 15 16 years old and literally i didn't have a pair of waders nothing else he stuck me in a tree that would hold me i had a single shot 20 gauge <laughs> and it was I don't care to say it but it was at Randy Break in Arkansas and it was before they had all the restrictions or anything else but he took me out there and I don't know what it was we threw out about eh, a dozen or two dozen decoys and just just flooded timber I mean canopy over you there was no real like open hole but there was an open hole over the canopy and I was sitting in a tree, uh, no waders, nothing else. And I killed my limited ducks. And that moment I was freaking hooked. Uh, <laughs> my very first hunt, I killed, you know, my, actually my second shot, I killed two ducks with one shot. And cause they were that close and it's just, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was, it was, it, it was just a moment that, you know, hooked you forever. that can't be replaced. Yeah. Oh Yeah. And that's what got into my blood. That's, I mean, it just, it just dug deep and it dug deep. Yeah, it's got more and more expensive <laughs> from there. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and that was, that was probably my favorite hunt that I can remember. Uh, but I have tons of hunts with friends and family and, and, you know, that just bring true. 
to the spirit of duck hunting, uh, and especially spending time with family, because that's the biggest thing it's, it's about. But uh, it was a lot of times down in you know the spot that me and Josh talk about, where I'd go duck hunting every year, uh, opening day. It's just it's camaraderie, and if I mean we used to do just like I said, we killed opening opening morning. If we didn't kill a hundred birds, something was up. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it, it, you know, it got to be the point to that. Now it's like, if we barely kill 50, who knows? Um, the sport's definitely gotten involved um, by a lot of people. Um, I don't know if it's the right thing or the wrong thing, but it definitely has. Uh, and I still remember also one hunt when I first met Josh, uh, I didn't meet him yet. Took some buddies down uh, to this to the spot that I was talking about, and and he showed up in his boat with some green lights. I was like, "Who in the hell is this?" <laughs> and my buddy's like, "Oh, it's my buddy that I work with, you know, stuff like that." You know, I work with him, you know, he's going home with this, and I start talking to him, and he's like, "I've been here for years." I was like, "Well, you know, oh well, but you know, you're more than welcome to hunt with us now if you want." You know, I, he was already invited, of course. And, uh, you know, it grew from there. And, you know, the biggest things that I like is it grows friendships um, between a lot of different counties and states and everything else. Because, I mean, this land is ours. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, this would, it would, it would actually be my first time out on the St. Francis, and this is a long time ago. And Pete remembers when we had actually their uh, floating blinds out there uh, that people maintained that, that, yes, you had to be the first one there to be able to hunt it. And there was a, that's a whole nother story, but it was my first time being out there. And uh, there were six of us um, sitting on the front deck that morning. Hadn't been a stellar morning. And, uh, and by, cause there was a room that we had a charcoal bucket. We cooked breakfast and go in there and, and warm up. And it, oh man, I remember it was cold that day. I didn't even bundle up enough my first time out there. Uh, and then, um, everybody went inside and I come back outside after I ate breakfast and there was ducks sitting in the decoys and I picked up my gun and it jammed. And uh, everybody else had their guns lined up across the front porch, whatever we call it. That duck got up, and it made two circles in this big hole that we was in. I unloaded every – I shot everybody's gun, all three shots. And the last gun I picked up, the second shot, finally knocked it down. I mean, no matter how many times I sh- – I, sh- I shot probably – Oh, Lord, I, I bet you I shot 15 bullets at this gun, or at this duck at least. And it would not go away. It would just circle around. And it finally went down. And then uh, then it's like, uh, the guy that took me out there is like, hey, now we got to go get it. Thanks a lot, buddy. I was like, well, come on, let's go. And I bet I shoot another 10 more shells trying to shoot this duck going through the woods. <laughs> first time ever doing it. I wasted a box of shells on my first mallard ever. And that's actually hanging in there in the den on the wall. <laughs> so that's just the last story I want to say. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That that lines me up for 
um, that same area is where I shot my first Arkansas duck. That's actually on the wall in here, and it was a huge uh, mallard. And it was I know because I remember I drowned that duck because you wouldn't mess yeah, it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I actually shot down on that duck, which is pretty cool. Um, I think we were hunting out of an elevated blind that day. Um, yeah, yeah. So I guess I want to kind of tell a story about how I got to know you guys a little deeper. I know I've talked about it on a previous podcast, um, previous episode, I believe. So when I went to uh, the tech school before I got into Clemson, um, there was a girl from the high school that I went to there and she had a friend named Alex and we were just kind of all hanging out over at their apartment one day and she had a duck decoy. And this was when I just started getting into duck hunting. And I was like, why do you have a duck decoy? And long story short, um, I'm driving out to Arkansas to meet her cousin, Lee, and we get out here about lunchtime. He's working in an office and he's like, here you go, guys. Here's the keys to my house. Y'all go hang out there. I'm about to finish up working. We've never met this guy before. And he's giving me the keys to his house to go hang out and wait for him to get off work. You know, he didn't even know my last name, I don't think. And so then from then on, that was, that was Lee. And then I met Pete and then I met Josh and then, you know, Derek and, and a lot of other guys, Mooney, um, just a lot of bunch of, or a lot of cool guys that, you know, I would never got to meet. Um, we actually hang out and not just duck hunt, you know, cause you know, I think Pete's been to South Carolina twice and, you know, I go out there and it's not even duck season. So, um, it's definitely developed a friendship. Last topic I want to go into, um, would be how do you cook your duck? Do you, I mean, obviously I know Pete grills it cause you know, we've done it a thousand times and but just kind of go into like kind of how you prepare them and, and what you do really quick for anybody listening that wants to know. Uh, the biggest thing is with, uh, the duck that I cook, of course I grill it. Um, I'll cut up the duck meat in cubes and marinate in lime juice and, uh, I like to make poppers out of it because that's what seems to everybody's likes. So marinate lime juice for about six, seven hours and uh, put some uh, Creole seasoning over the duck meat and wrap it in cream cheese and bacon and just cook it. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the best thing that in a party situation, you know, kind of a thing, you know, everybody just wants to just have a finger little, foods. yeah, finger foods kind of a thing. Um, yeah. And I'm, I got some recipes for some duck gumbo, but I've never cooked it that way. But I mean, that's, that's about how I cook it. Yeah. Josh, how do you, how do you cook your duck? Uh, well, I do mine a couple different ways. Uh, I fry some of mine. Uh, I like, I like fried duck. It tastes pretty good. But, uh, the first thing I do is, um, I get a bowl after I clean the ducks, they sit in salt water for three to four days i make sure to get as much blood as i can out of there which is probably a lot of people do i use i like to use salt water and then also kind of milk does too milk does good but i i prefer salt water and then um i don't like cutting them up if i'm making poppers kind of like he said i like to come up in cubes but i like to just fillet them out and uh marinate them in wishire sauce then that's good for grilling then uh, normally if I just, if I, wanna, if I fry them after they blow them, I don't let them soak in anything. I'll just uh, kind of, you know, get some egg batter, dip them in egg, dip them in uh, like flour and spices and stuff, and just throw them in the deep fryer, and they're good like that. Uh, the three ways I grill them, was, which is let them soak in Wilshire sauce, 
Then second is I let them marinate in barbecue. And then the third one is Catalina dressing. If you've never had duck huh. uh, marinated in Catalina mm. dressing, you need to try it because it is the bomb. Yeah, I have to check that out. That's and that's about the ways I like to cook mine. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I've never I've never done um, definitely two of those before. I've you know I've done the the poppers with the jalapenos, um, cut the jalapeno stuff, the cream cheese in there, and wrap it in bacon, and you know grill it. And, um, I've done that kind of stuff before. Kenny, have you have you, have you cooked duck a special way? Most of the time we do it kebab, uh, marinated zesty Italian, and you know cook it on a grill with some peppers and onions. That's kind of our, our go to, other than poppers. Yeah, because I don't like jalapenos. I always do like sweet peppers. Yeah. So, um, so I know Josh, you got your own uh, call making company. I guess you could call it, or you know, you, you make duck calls and, and you sell them. And um, so, do you want to go ahead and give us your info and how how listeners can get a hold of you and and what platforms you're on? Yeah, I'll give a, I won't go into a long spiel, but uh, my name, of course, my name is Josh Lynn. My company is Bustin' Tail Calls. This is the second year for that, and I'm in my fourth year of call making. Me and my brother started out, he made a name for himself, and I thought, I don't want to share or take away from his limelight or be in the behind the scenes, so I let him do his own thing and went my own way. Um, I do have a Facebook page. You can like it. Uh, if you want to follow me, you, that's uh, fine, too. Uh, I make three different model J-frame calls right now. I make a J-frame blue wing tail call. Uh, I make a six-in-one whistle, and I can't remember what else I make. But uh, if, there, if you just go to my Facebook page, that's the only thing I'm on. I'm sorry, I'm not a big social media person. Facebook is the only thing I have. I'm not into that Instagrammies or the Twitter things, my bobbers or whatever the heck you want to call them. I'm not into that stuff. Uh, most of the time, I don't even watch a whole lot of TV because when I get home from work, I'm out there in the shop just peeling around, uh, which is I've been, I just got a brand new, metal, well, it's an old vintage metal lathe, but I've been this week teaching myself how to be a machinist. And it's pretty cool. It's a big learning curve, but uh, I've been pretty good at it. Um, but anyway, just uh, if you ever, if I can ever build you a call, go look at my page. And then also what I was telling you earlier too, um, I don't think that most of the people know about small call shops. If you ever want to see the the awesome work that a lot of people do, uh, there's a Facebook group called uh, Call Nuts. And then there's Call Lounge, uh, Duck Call Makers. Uh, there's several of them, but Call Nuts is going to be your biggest one. And you can see what people build and come up with, and it will just amaze you. Like you said, you know, you got Brad Samples there in South Carolina. You know, how many people can you actually say, hey, have you ever heard of Brad Samples? Well, who is that? But, man, you need to go check out his duck calls. They are awesome. I mean, there's so many great local talent out there that a lot of people don't know about. And I encourage you to yeah. go look up at one of these Facebook pages and see all the wonderful work. Yeah, there you go. Is that the checkered one? Yeah, do it. I dare you. Do it. Go give us a sound profile there, Pete. There you go. That's busting tail calls, baby. 
Yeah, so go check him out. You know, it's busting tail calls. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're definitely going to do it again with these guys, and and hopefully when we go out there to to hunt, you know, we'll we'll be able to shoot an episode in person. Um, there's definitely going to be some YouTube videos coming up of us hunting out in in Arkansas. Say, hey, Kenny, like I said last time, last time, uh, last time I was out there, Kenny, it's like y'all are more than welcome. <laughs> no, trust me, all I gotta do is wait on a phone call from Charles. He's gotta be more planned because my my schedule's not as flexible as his is. <laughs> you know, he's the one in there. Well, definitely, just he's in there telling people what to do. I'm the one that's doing it, so I can't just leave. You know, all the time. Like uh, someone, he's like, uh, I'm gonna go off this weekend. <laughs> so, um, one of my biggest trips, actually, with Charles. Is um he like just him alone? He he came down. Uh, it was spur of the wind moment. You know, he's like, I'm coming down for the weekend. You know, do you have a place for me to stay? It's like, of course, you know, I always do. Yeah, I did that a lot. Yeah, and I was like, I have a, you know, you can sleep in my bed, whoever's bed. So he came down there and uh, hung the river and didn't shoot anything like in two days and i had most of my friends with me you know the people that we usually hunt with it was a weekend hunt so it was like a friday saturday and monday and uh didn't kill hardly anything over the weekend and charles was like man i was just i'm tired just ah, i'm just ready to go home gotta drive back yeah he, i gotta drive back 10 hours off man i don't disagree with you 100 percent I was like, man, I, was just, I just have this weird feeling about tomorrow. And it was. I mean, it was it was a weird feeling. And I told him, I was like, yeah, let's just go hunting in the morning. And if we don't see nothing, you can drive back about 8, 9 o'clock in the morning and get back uh, to South Carolina about, you know, 7, 8 o'clock at night. And we set up in the same spot we did the past two freaking days. And I don't know if the wind was right. We said decoys right. I don't know what it was, but like literally Charles has, what's that? GoPro, GoPro videos of this. I mean, he's like recording and I'm like, why don't you shoot? He goes, I can't because I'm recording. And it's like, he's recording all these ducks. We're having like 75, 150 groups, like, like groups of ducks. Just coming in. Sky high comes straight in. Unreal. Yeah, just come straight in and land. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? He goes, I'm just recording. It says, I've never seen this. I was like, well, let's see it. So I don't shoot or anything else. We just let it happen. And when we start really trying to kill ducks, we limit it out by the end of the day. And so it's like 10 o'clock. And all, all we had is a 16-foot Oriole with a 40 horse on the back and a burlap sack hung in front of us. That's all we had hung in between trees and we were hungered behind them and we were just like popping them off. So yeah. And then Charles left and he was like, I was like, you got your limit, my limit in the boat. Okay. You're going back to South Carolina. (laughs) Then I got to clean all of them when I got back at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. Well, that's your fault. What you Camry? It was a little uh, Camry. Ultima. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That was your. That yeah. was a little Arkansas beater that the radio didn't work. So you put your phone in your your hoodie so you can listen to the radio. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that thing has went to Arkansas. It cost me forty bucks, forty five dollars to get out there. And that thing. Yeah. It was unreal. And then I'd tell um, Jessica, I'd be like, all right, I'm headed to Arkansas. She's like, when? And I'm like, about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and just, you know, I would decide like that. Pete would be like, all right, the ducks are here. I'd be like, all right, I'll be there in nine hours. You know, that's kind of how it went. And, and it was always, hey, yeah, it was always, sure. hey, you, ha- you have a bed. Um, luckily, because, man, days in is awful. So this is, you know, when I had some guys come with me, um, and I think Pete was moving or something. And um, so we're setting out in – I'm setting out in the parking lot in a parking space with a grill, grilling some pork chops, some duck. I can't remember. Um, but about about the time I was, you know, taking the stuff off the grill, SWAT team pulled up and parked on both sides of me. When I'm sitting there in a lounge chair grilling in the parking lot and raided the broom right above ours took a guy out in handcuffs and left and I'm still just sitting there, you know, grilling with my jaw wide open. I didn't know what to do. Um, that was just one of the stories that we can tell. Yeah. So if you have any questions for, um, Pete or, or Josh, you can email us at project DIY hunter at gmail.com. And then we have an Instagram page, um, project underscore DIY underscore hunter. We have a YouTube channel, um, so check that out. And then we have a TikTok Project DIY Hunter and a Facebook Project DIY Hunter. Um, so with any questions, concerns, um, reach out to us. We won't mind helping you at all.